Bobby. <laughs> I know it's late, but yeah, we record these podcasts so far in advance. This was on trend when we did it, everybody. <laughs> we're not we're not late. <laughs> Chloe, how are you? I'm so great. It's Friday. There's no reason to not be great. How's your week been? That's so nice. There's no reason to not be great. My week is good. I had a really busy week, but that's in the past. The past is in the past. And um, I've got so much to look forward to. So I'm happy it's Friday too, wrapping things up. Yes, I love this. I'm so excited. I'm looking forward to going into the weekend off the back of a podcast episode. Yeah, it always, I always feel good. Whenever we chat, I'm like, this. Is, I feel energized. I'm pumped. Like, yeah, this is like the career equivalent of like taking pre-workout. Like before I'm going to go to the gym, you take pre-workout. If you want to pump me up for my career, let me do a podcast episode. <laughs> We're such noobs, but I feel the same. <laughs> I feel like we just need to address the fact that we have had a facelift and we have rebranded. It's so exciting for us. We always said that this podcast journey was going to be a journey, that we were going to just trust our instincts and adapt and change as we go. And we've relaunched 2.0 with less than seven episodes. <laughs> Look at us go. Well, it's a quick evolution. Like you just keep going and we did that. We learned and we figured out what topics we like to talk about and what sticks and pivoted some of our messaging to align with what we want to talk about, uh, which is really exciting. So welcome to Taking Control now that we're here. All right. So today we're going to be discussing leaning into opportunities and experiences. So this is really topical at the moment because Gemma is literally about to embark on this really exciting journey. Let's just go straight into it, Gemma. What are you about to do? What's happening? Give us the 411. Oh, so much is happening. Um, so for those who haven't tuned in before, I'm, I'm a tech girly, I'm working in tech. And um, I have a non-technical role in a tech company. So a supporting role in the business side, talking about strategy and things like that in product. Um, and I was actually in a call with our account manager um, for AWS. So Amazon Web Services who help the company I work for, you know, work in the cloud and, uh, in that call, um, she mentioned, oh, have you seen what I posted on LinkedIn? There's this really exciting program um, that we're supporting and you should go check it out. So I entered the call, went to her LinkedIn and watched this video. And in this video, she basically said, we're doing a call out for um, AWS and all builders welcome grant where essentially um, they will pay anyone who fits within their diversity and inclusion program to fly to the states and attend their week-long tech conference with all things AWS, participate in like exclusive learning, additional programs, networking, and everything for the whole week, flights, accommodation, all experiences paid for. Um, and I applied for it and I got it. <laughs> and it's literally, I leave in two days. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. I'm literally going to be living through you from afar. And 
I can't wait to check in with you each day. So Gemma, how did you actually apply for it? What did your application look like? I've heard about these type of opportunities coming up, but I've never actually applied for one myself. And I don't know if you have applied for anything like this in the past, but talk us through how you went through the application and what that process looked like. So I don't know if this is relevant to the question. Well, actually it would be, I have received, this is the third scholarship I've received in my life. So, um, what a flex. <laughs> Just piped out flex. over there. so this is the third scholarship or grant or something and to be honest it's not because I'm special in any format Um, I mean I'm great but um, it's something that I've gotten really good at just applying anyway you know how they say with jobs like you don't have to meet every criteria if you meet a few of them just apply anyway you don't know Um, I've definitely had that mentality with um, all opportunities even outside of job roles so um this one was a little bit different i actually thought it was the least involved application i've ever had to do so out of the the two other scholarships or grants i've had before they were super involved and they were like a multi multi-step process and you had to like submit something and then they came back for feedback it was like rounds of things and um, i felt like i had to put a high amount of investment to actually applying um you know the first grant i received when i was in high school um i got a grant to do this leadership program and i went to papua new guinea and i hiked the kokoda trek um <laughs> i just had a great 12. <laughs> i know like in high school i'm well, not 16. I'm just i did it in jealous. grade 12. yeah i did it in grade 12. yeah <laughs> it was with the It was with the PCYC and it was about youth leadership and bringing youth leadership um, to communities. And it was a thing at my school. And I was like, yeah. And I had to write an essay as to what leadership meant to me. And then if you won the essay and you were willing to go on the trip, you could go on because it was a trip to do the like hike the trek. But it was all about like you were going solo, like just a group of young people together and leadership skills. And you had to prove how that would better you as a leader. Um, so I did that and then I had another scholarship um, was a relocation scholarship this one was more formal through uni where I was like I grew up in the middle of nowhere um, and I applied and it was a rural relocation thing and they gave you like um, and paid for all your resources and laptops and stuff to um, start uni so um, that one was less exciting but that one was like I had to write two essays to get and all of these had big gates to actually like be able to apply like it was literally like an extra hobby to be able to get in these programs but this one was literally a video i saw on linkedin a link i followed the link and it was a a questionnaire so imagine um like a wizard that was like a step one and then you hit next step two and each of them had a list of maybe um maybe a dozen questions with like 250 words or less answers to these dozen questions. And uh, you just had to write about your experiences and answer the questions. And the kind of questions were things like, um, you know, it's a diversity inclusion grant. So you had to talk about experiences in diversity and and being a minority. And at first I wasn't sure because sometimes I feel as though being a woman 
I go, that's not enough of a minority. Like we're 50% of the population. How is that a minority? But what's really important to remember is even though I'm not a minority everywhere in this particular space, I actually am. And it's about relative to the environment that you're in. So um, I spoke about being in a technology business where um, we've got about 30% women in my team. There's only a handful, but it becomes has added complexities to the industry we're building technology for also has a uh, low percentage of women. And so my day to day, I actually don't look around and see many people who look like me, who talk like me, who have the same values as me. You know, I don't see myself in anyone around me. And I mentioned that in my answer. And probably one of the key things that they spoke about in the essay was um, your approach to learning and what thoughts you had on generative AI. And they had some questions on what you know about generative AI, why you're interested in it, and what you are doing in your job to make you more aware of generative AI. So I answered all those questions, hit submit, and maybe a month later, they just went, here's your flights, and it was done, which is like insane to me that it was that easy um, to get the scholarship. Like, it's just crazy. It's crazy. And it's such a big scholarship, like relative to like, what type of scholarships are out there. I feel like this one is pretty cool considering like we're over here in Australia and like yeah. this huge conference. Um, um, they, they do it every year. So I would love if, if anyone is listening to this going, that sounds so cool. It's targeted to anyone who fits, um, you know, with their diversity and inclusion requirements and is in within their first five years of a career in tech. And that's it. And you can apply. They do it every single year and they have an intake. I think it's like 500 people globally that they usually accept. Um, I asked how many applicants they get. I wanted to know if mm. I was special. Um, yeah. And they said, sorry, that, that information's exclusive, but just know there was a large volume <laughs> and we're really happy to have the people that we have here. So such a, <laughs> such a politician answer. <laughs> that's that stroke your ego, Gemma. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You're well, the chosen my, one. <laughs> my grant number three, I didn't eat my ego <laughs> to be stroked. I need my ego Yeah, I got you, I need Chloe. To pick, I need to collect my first scholarship. Let's find you one. This is why I'm so interested, and I'm sure there's other people out there who are really interested in picking your brain on how you went through the process and um, obviously I know the process will change a lot depending on what you're applying for, but I'd love to know if you actually used AI, even though AI was one of the questions, like, did you use AI to help you craft your responses? Um, of course I did. Um, <laughs> so one of the things I used it for, I did find, so even to this day, I still find AI or chat GPT or Enative any generative AI to be incredibly verbose, like in a really strict, you must answer in 250 words, even when I tell it not to, I find that it just wastes the words with like, you know, in conclusion, or I believe I deserve this grant because, and then it starts talking and I can't afford to waste those words in my grant. So how I approached it was I um, actually went through and put some dot point thoughts around each question. So I went, here's the question, two or three dot points. Um, so for example, 
it would have a question saying, um, what are you doing or why are you interested in generative AI? And I had a dot point that I said, you know, I think it's really important we make technology accessible. And that as technology gets more advanced, the divide between people, um, similar to we'll have, you know, wealth gaps or generational gaps, we're going to have this incredible technology gap. And I said, I think that generative AI and um, technology in this space actually could be one of the solutions, not the only one, but one of the solutions that help us better bridge that technology gap that we're going to have across generations. Um, and I just put, you know, maybe four dot points. And then I uh, had ChatGPT and I said, I need to answer this question. These are the kind of things I'm thinking. Which of these are the most powerful? And which of these points are going to best convey my message, um, you know, aligning with this scholarship? And I'd actually kind of, you know, put in some details about the scholarship and, and it referred to and said, you know, the values of this are about being inclusive. So make sure you use words like inclusive in your response. So even though I, it didn't write the response for me, I kind of used it to glue together sentence strings that it generated um, because it felt more authentic that it was my writing. And again, I thought it wasted words when I asked it to, uh, but I used it to help me brainstorm and go requirements, my thoughts, which of my thoughts best answer this um, and then kind of craft each response accordingly. Something I would say is important too is when I was using AI and what I loved about using that as a tool rather than just on my own is when it gave me advice, I could actually ask it why. So I could, when it said, it's really important you mention inclusion, it would say because the specific values of the program list that. So it is in a way by giving me advice and telling me why that advice is applicable. I actually felt like I was learning. So in turn, me using that was helping me be a better writer and using it in a co-pilot instance actually helped educate me to look for what's important rather than me go write it for me, then I actually learn nothing. So even though I used AI, I actually think that it's helping me be a better writer. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. And it stopped you from failing to answer the brief and kept you on track in terms of answering the selection criteria, I'm assuming, like, which if you had have been answering it just yourself, you probably would have had to put a lot of more brain energy and thought into like, are my answers aligning to the brief? Are they answering the um, criteria needed to get onto the scholarship? And it kind of, did you find that it helped you stay on track? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm thinking of a really specific example. Um, it was a couple months ago that I filled this out, but when I wrote each of the points, a few of them said that I find ChatGPT really easy to use. And it actually gave me feedback and said, you know, your personal experience, uh, sorry, it gave me feedback that the grant isn't asking about your personal experience using it. It's asking why it's important. So, where I maybe would have said ChatGPT is really easy to use, it helped me rephrase it to say it's openly accessible and requires minimal training to the average person. So even though to me in my head, the point was the same, but it helped me stick to the, exactly as you said, Chloe, like you're totally right. It helped me stick to the brief of exactly answering 
answering in the way that the question was asking. Um, and perhaps that's also why maybe I did well on the scholarship, right? Like I, maybe I answered and if I went with, no matter how good I was at writing, if I couldn't directly answer the question, you know, I wouldn't be giving them the information that they need. Yeah, that's super cool to hear. I would love to know, Gemma, what are you most excited about other than this sweet, epic trip to Vegas and surrounding cities? What, what's, what's on the agenda? What's going on inside, outside the conference? Yeah, so, well, at a high level, I'm going to start being a bit, a bit meta, all right? Give me, give me permission to be a bit, um, a bit airy-fairy, a bit philosophical. But me as a person, um, you know how you hear people say that, you know, this, this either filled my cup or it emptied my cup. And sometimes people find social interactions to either really drain them or things like that. I am one of those people who, as a bit of an extrovert, I absolutely get energized by other people. So um, as where some people can go to a social setting and it's not not for them and they you know feel drained, I'm very fortunate that being around lots of people, I feed off that energy. So I'm so excited to be in a room full of really smart people doing really smart things and hopefully like capitalize on that energy. Like I need some like battery packs that I'm going to like recharge that energy and carry it with me because I can already feel like it's like electric, even talking to people about the conference before it starts. Like I, I want to be with those people. They're my people. Um, and in terms of like actual specifics, uh, um, the AWS um, team, they actually have an app that I've downloaded and I managed all my sessions. Um, I'm really looking forward to, there's a program that they have called Peer Talk, which is really cool, where if you work at AWS and you're willing to be open to a mentoring session, you can actually register yourself. So as a peer talk expert. And that means that others can um, log in and request a one-on-one -on -one consult with you. So I found two people on peer talk that I was like, I really wanna really want to learn from you. And I sent them a message and a request and I booked in two one-on-one -on -one sessions for half an hour each. Um, one with the, uh, with the senior product marketing manager and uh and i reached out and said i really i work with a product marketing market manager and i i am a product manager and i want to know how to better that relationship and how to better bridge and she was like yeah sure let's catch up let's talk um and then i also met with, well i haven't met with him yet and i've scheduled a time with a head of um, product and user experience at a particular arm in uh, aws so i'm really excited to talk to him too so um I'm super excited to be able to just meet with these incredible people who in the real world, I could not just walk up and be like, yeah, I want 30 minutes of your time, please. Um, and it helps me break that social barrier that I didn't feel like I was imposing or doing anything because these people literally put their names on a, on, a, on a board and they were like, message me if you want to talk. And I did. And yeah, so I can't wait to be able to talk to these people face to face. I think it's great that the conference is offering the space to have the mentor-mentee conversations. And I love that you're so proactive in this space. I can't wait to hear what you learn. Have you Are you going in there with an agenda of like what you want to get out of those meetings or are you just going to play it by ear? I have some goals for the whole conference. 
but I haven't made goals per um per meeting that I have so I did actually sit back and go what do I want out of this and I just want to be a sponge and learn and absorb like of course that's that's a no-brainer but something personally that I want out of it is um you know Chloe we live in Australia I'm a product manager in Australia I don't have a lot of knowledge about the global market and for my job I would really love to diversify the people I talk to, the connections I make and really expand and make sure that I understand, you know, the US market and other markets globally, because I feel like even culturally, a lot of my knowledge and experience is really geographically isolated. So my main goal of the conference, and this could maybe happen after the conference, that maybe I just make connections that could be an informal mentor to me in the future, but I really want to try to expand my cultural horizons to help my career, particularly if I want to be a leader. If I want to be a leader, I'm going to need to work with people globally. And I'd love to learn more about product in the US market and jobs in the US market and get a better understanding in that space overall. And that's kind of the goal for me. How I do that, though, I don't have a specific action plan, but I'd love to um, be able to go because I went to AWS, I made industry connections that I now understand more about product in the U- in the US and tech in the US. And I think that's a really strategic and smart way to position yourself, Gemma. It's not necessarily always up to your organization to look after your own learning. At the end of the day, we have to take responsibility and accountability for our own growth and keeping up to date with what's going on and really drive that external to our positions in our current work or just the current situation we find ourselves in day to day. Like I think we have that responsibility. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Have you heard the saying that your job is your employee's responsibility, but your career is your your responsibility? And Mm. I totally agree. I'm like, my employer is responsible for my job description. I'm responsible for like my whole career and the discipline I work in. Um, And so, yeah, I definitely think that um, that's on me, that's on us. But I think this is a really good opportunity. I don't know what that means for me when I say I want to work globally in the market or I just know that I don't know enough maybe to make a plan. I just know that I feel as though that's a weak point that I have if I want to go up up with the big dogs. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a weak point that I have and something that I think I could, uh, I could work on. Yeah. But to the point I made earlier, like, of course, it would be amazing if you can sometimes get your work to be supportive and be um, encouraging and have that kind of environment around you where they support your learning and your professional development. But sometimes it's just not enough to allow them to start that conversation is kind of where I was going with that. Like you still have the responsibility to drive that yourself. And I would argue that those opportunities aren't always best placed within the company you're working in like sometimes you do need to seek those opportunities outside because that's actually where you're going to grow and learn the right way if that makes sense yeah that's so true because you don't know if the organization you work for is doing it the right way like what if they teach you a heap of things and give you exposure to stuff and then you find out that it's not actually industry relevant or that's not how the rest of the world is doing it like You have no idea. So actually, I think um, that's something that you do. You actually do pretty well, Chloe, that even in past jobs where we've worked together, 
you've looked at external mentors or external even meetups that you've gone to and uh, looked at other ways that you can access programs and things to help you learn that maybe are outside the remit of your job title just to give you exposure as a person um, like I'm thinking you've done a heap of stuff in the UX space when I was a UX designer and you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I had gone to like a lot of networking events and conferences early on in my career. And I think that's because I was working with people who valued that. And I didn't know I valued it until I started going to those sorts of things and being a part of those external activities, extracurricular activities outside of your day job. And when work hasn't necessarily supported it financially or because there's bigger priorities going on than my PD, I've looked for opportunities to, I guess, how can I support that myself, whether or not I save up to go to these things that I want to go to, or I just um, take time off. Like there are ways around it, but obviously the preference is you go on work time <laughs> why not why not go on work time when you if you've got the opportunity you need to take it just to your point with this scholarship like if it's there and it's up for grabs if there's a pd allowance or a professional development like supportive culture you need to take advantage of that you'd be surprised how many people don't actually utilize their professional development budget particularly in like larger companies who have the infrastructure there to support that kind of thing how do you how do you find out if you have a pd budget like i i don't even think the role that i'm in now they were really upfront and said this is your budget whereas in past roles i don't think i've ever been told or i didn't even know it was a thing yeah, so I found that in like bigger companies I've worked for, there will be an allowance per person and there might be grey kind of lines there. Maybe like the company's idea of how they see you progressing in the company, they might allow certain movement with how much they've got it put aside for each person. So for example, Gemma, if you were going to move, if they had plans for you to move into a more senior leadership role, they might be more supportive of opportunities that sit outside of that budget. So let's say you had $1,000 or $500 dedicated per head, per person, role titles, organization structure aside. If they had envisioned a plan for you and knew that you had potential to be something more within the company's plans, they might be like, oh, we're going to support you doing your MBA or we're going to support you having mentor sessions, which I know that's something that's even happened for you and you probably didn't even know what the budget was put aside but I've always just asked like I've gotten in the routine of just asking straight up when I enter a job and I've come to that point natural point where I'm like there's something I want to learn or something that's sitting outside of my expertise that I feel like would be beneficial to my role and I just ask you ask your line manager you can ask the HR department if there's one say I really want to go to this event or I want to study this thing put forward your case study as to how it will impact the company and what benefits it will bring the business and how you'll grow professionally from it and how that will benefit the company. <laughs> That's a big one though. You can have your own side agenda, but at the end of the day, the company doesn't really care about your personal development. They care about the wins and the impact it's going to have on the company. Yeah. That's a really powerful point, right? Like when you are, arguing this or proving this case you have to say what they're getting out of it like you know 
right at the start when we were talking about my grant, I think that that's something that, you know, I had to do when writing that grant application too. Like, why me? Oh, because blah, blah, blah. And that same mentality applies just even in a small scale of your um, of your role in, um, in your day-to-day job and saying, actually, yeah, I need this course that's $99 Coursera course or something, I don't know. And, um, and I actually need to get this because it's going to help me improve uh, my abilities in X, Y, Z. And as a result, if I'm better at that, I'm going to be able to take on more tasks to do X, Y, Z, or I'm going to be more efficient in, you know, talk about the outcome, I guess, at the end of it. Yeah. And if you get knocked back, that doesn't mean it wasn't the right thing or the, a good opportunity or if it's worth something more to you, how can you pursue that externally if it's really important? And maybe then you can tailor it to be more specific to your personal career objectives and your own career journey if you're going to be investing time in it outside of work hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good advice. I agree. On that note too, how do you handle that rejection then? So we've been talking about really successful stuff. What do you do when you put together all of this stuff and you go support me and they say, no, no, we don't have the budget. And like, I'm asking you, Chloe, cause I think that's happened to you. Oh, that's happened to me multiple times. And I think you build a resilience. When it happened to me years ago, I remember being like, oh my gosh, I did everything that you, would have asked for like I answered the questions how could you say no basically and sometimes they'll say oh you're the only person that's already done it so someone else needs a turn but no one else actually wants to do it or cares it's just the fact that I've already had something or maybe it's too expensive or maybe they actually can't see the value in it even though I put together that proposal the value exchange just wasn't actually there for them what I thought was adding value they actually didn't see that as adding value and I think it's just a learning opportunity in itself you won't always get what you ask for and I think it's somewhat humbling to not always get what you ask for if you always get given what you ask for you you tend to start expecting things and the world doesn't work like that (laughs) absolutely I I understand exactly where you're coming from and that's so crucial um that's that's how you get better at asking the right questions that's how you get better at saying the right things and sometimes things are totally out of your control and it's just timing you would put the exact same business case forward in 12 months time and get a hell yes and not a hell no and um and there's so many things that are outside of your control um and has no reflection on you so actually in some ways sometimes that helps or i found that that helps me feel more confident that I know it's not me, it's external factors and I don't have to pull myself to shreds that, you know, I didn't have the right skills or whatever. So yeah, in some ways you're right. Rejection actually can be important to help you focus on the right things and, and not tying yourself so deeply to that. Yeah. A hundred percent. The timing is crucial. It's like if someone's in a bad mood or numbers are down or profits are low, that's probably a really bad time to ask. So having that awareness, if you can, before asking for something like that is highly is highly influential to potentially the answer you're going to get. Obviously, there's a lot of factors that play into it. But also sometimes like in the past, I would kind of rush into getting really excited about 
I want to study this. I want to do this. This conference is on. And I kind of like wasn't very super selective and intentional and strategic about what I wanted to do and why. And I love that Gemma, that's something that you always remind me of. Why do you want to do something? Why are you making this decision? Why do you want to go to that conference? Why do you want to apply for this scholarship? Why do you want us to pay for this resource or this whatever it is? Because if you're not confident on that why, that is your precious time and energy and effort that's going to be going into this thing. And it's also the companies now in today where I'm at, like I want to be a hundred percent sure that I genuinely want to go to this thing and I'm going to get something out of it. And it's not just going to fill my day up with something different. Like I actually want to get a really high value exchange from what I'm doing. Yeah. I, that makes me so happy, Chloe. If I leave nothing on you, I'll just be that annoying person who's like, yeah, but why? <laughs> like a five-year-old, but why? But it's true. I don't know if part of this, oh, this sounds old, but the, the more things that you go to and the more that you do as you get older, you realize like time is actually precious. Like the only thing we don't get more of is, is time. So if you are going to all these conferences, there's a level that you only have to go to a couple that you get nothing out of and then you realize crap, that was so exhausting. That was so exhausting. I feel so drained. And then you go back to your job and you're like, I haven't applied any of this or none of this had an impact on my role in any sense, in any way. So um, I find get going in with a really strict why helps you to prioritize both where you're going, but even when you go to them, like Mm. if you are at a conference and you know that your outcome is that you need to be networking, what you choose to do in that time, because you've already been conscious of the why, could be totally different, like to the different activities that you do and you could pick things that help you make the most of it. And you could be doing the same activity, but doing it in a different way that you actually get something tangible out of it. Yeah, and going back to what we were discussing previously about how do you deal with that rejection and getting knocked back, I actually think that has helped change my mindset about what because I've had to dig deeper as to like well why did I get knocked back or why didn't why wasn't I successful in that proposal and then sometimes there were some pretty clear red flags that just I was kind of going in reckless and just being like I'm so excited I've got a budget to play with like I want to go do this do that do that and it's like I can see why in the past some things maybe didn't go through oh that's growth (laughs) we love the growth (laughs) Yeah, it is growth. But um, yeah, so I think being really intentional with what, where you're spending your time, your money and your effort becomes really important as you're growing your career more strategically. We've gone in a lot of directions today, but I feel like in general, we've got an overarching theme, Gemma. We absolutely do. So my key takeaway is you know, your career is your responsibility. But in saying that there are so many grants, scholarships, programs, uh, learning budgets, and even though it's your responsibility to pick what you want to do and be strategic about it, there are resources you can leverage that you can use to um, really get a boost up on all of those things. And you, you've got to be on it, otherwise you can't do it solo. So it's your responsibility, but it's also your responsibility to use the tools that are out there and available. Yeah, and if you're unsure, ask people that you trust in your network for some advice. Totally. 
Yeah. Totally. Ask us. Yeah, because it can be overwhelming and hard to decide at times. And especially if you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. So exactly. Yeah. And the the more it's just like any skill. The more that you do it, the better you get at doing it. That's why I'm on grant three, Chloe. <laughs> and <laughs> Although we do reach a point where I'm now super privileged and I think this is probably the last thing that um, I will get a grant for and I'll be referring others to get grants to and referring others who are in more junior positions than I am. I'm slowly creeping up and no longer being a junior and it'll be someone else's time to take Yeah, you You are one of the big dogs now, Gemma. So mm. I don't know why we're still talking on this podcast because I've got to go collect my first grant. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's a great ending. Bye. <laughs> I've got bigger fish to fry. Catch ya. <laughs>